0: Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church, or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. In every marriage, God, in every person, God, every family. Lord, we declare your abundance and your goodness, your favor and your grace. God, we release Holy Spirit. We release Holy Spirit right now. In Jesus' name, there is victory here right now. You are the defender of our heart. You are the high and lifted up one. You are mighty God. You are mighty God. We worship you, we glorify you. There's none like you in all the god and we magnify you in this place we love you jesus we praise you we praise you in this place right now we declare healing and bodies in this room right now god begin to move and heal god deliver right now we speak to minds that are tormented right now damaged spirits and souls we speak healing and health right now. Finances that are not enough are more than enough right now in Jesus' name. Father, we speak salvation to the lost right now in Jesus' name. God, your grace and your love. God, pour out your love upon this people. God, pour out your love on kingdom, God. Bless us, oh God. Move upon us, oh God. We love you, Jesus. We love you. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Church, tell him you love him. Just begin to worship him. Work with you. Father, right now in Jesus' name. We love you, Jesus. We praise you, God. We glorify you, God. We magnify you in this place. Lord, you are more than enough. You are more than enough, God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. God, we glorify you. There will be Victory here. I'm gonna change I'm gonna change that phrase. There is victory here right now. Hallelujah. Oh thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, God. Hallelujah, Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Just take a moment, Church. Don't rush this moment. Don't rush this moment, Church. Don't rush it. Father, we love you. Don't don't check out. Just stay in tune. Just stay connected right now. Father, we love you. We love you. We glorify you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Move among your people, God. Touch our lives, God. Hallelujah, God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, we glorify you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You can be seated this evening, this morning. We love you. Man, don't you love it when God gets involved? Hallelujah. 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 We keep doing stuff like that, we just might have church. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, uh, if, you're, if, you are, if you are here for the very first time or if you are watching online for the very first time, we, we didn't want to scare you, but you know what? We, we, uh, we love Jesus. Yeah, we do. And uh, um, when he shows up, things happen. It moves us, it touches us, and it will touch you. And you know what? It's an amazing thing when God gets involved in something because I'm I'm gonna tell you one millisecond in the presence of God is is all you need. Right. Yeah. And you know what? It will change everything. It will change everything. Praise God. Before we before we get into our message this morning, I need to take a moment and I need to tell you a little bit about what happened this week this week. You most of you know that this week was kids' camp week. And let me tell you we had we had a brilliant, exceptional Head and shoulders exceedingly abundantly above all that we could think or ask. Kids camp. Amen. It was wonderful. We had a great time. Uh, You know what? We had, I believe through the time, we had about 100 children here. And you know what? Let me tell you something about 100 children. Uh, I could could tell you it's definitely not my calling. Uh, um, But I I I want you to know that they were touched. Uh, the seeds of yeah. Jesus, the love of God was sown into their hearts. And I was talking to my wife about it. You know, we were talking about how many kids that were coming from just neighborhoods and, and kids that, that that would be the only church they get throughout the year. And, and how much the love of God was put into their hearts and how they, you know, several of the counselors were telling me how they would open up and share you know, all the things and just how Jesus touched them and to the point that there were several of our counselors that were coming up to me and they're weeping and they're crying and they're going, you know, this is off the hook, yeah. this is off the hook. And so, with that said, what I do want to say to um, everyone that uh, labored at Kids Camp, all the the, the uh, counselors, the kitchen workers, the support staff, uh, those that donated maybe you didn't work actually in the camp but you you donated funds or you donated uh, a material or whatever it was that was needful um everyone that contributed in some way or form you need to understand that you are stellar Amen. and i want you to understand that we appreciate you as your pastor i so appreciate what you did there was people here um sometimes 12 and 13 hours and then they would get up and do it all again the next day and and you know what (laughs) wow so I'm telling you you're you're awesome you're awesome you're awesome you're awesome you do not compare give them a big hand amen amen and so I just can't thank you enough you are highly appreciated and I just admire you and and honor you today and love you for what you contributed. Uh, even, and I'll even go so far to say that maybe some of you don't know that some of the staff workers that were in uh, children's camp this year, we're taking tomorrow off. So the office is closed tomorrow. So we get a day off. So it's, it's a paid day off. So God bless you. You go and rest And yeah. and my prescription for all of you, do nothing tomorrow except that which would make you feel good. Amen. And just enjoy your day tomorrow and have a good time. But we we do love you and appreciate you. So this morning, I want to I told you I told many of the people in Wednesday night, don't miss uh, uh, this service because this is a special service. And the reason this is a special service is because what I'm going to minister to you today was downloaded into my life and into my heart in about a four minute period of time. And so I want to share the story with you because I think the story is such that you can relate to it. And I think it really does set the the backdrop to what's going on. Let me ask this question before we get to the story. How many here with a show of hands would say, I have struggled or am struggling with faith? If that's you, raise your hand. Okay, most of you raised your hand. Those of you that didn't raise your hand, you know, there's another class for that. We'll, we'll get to that later. Um, and we're glad for you. But uh, In everyone's life, there always comes a place where we struggle. Uh, struggle is not uncommon, nor should it be a surprise to us. Jesus said it this way. He said, in this world, you will have tribulation. There are times when life is difficult and there are times when there are crisis and, and, and difficult moments. And, and you know what happens in those moments is there's always somebody that will come up to you, or maybe you will even say it to yourself because of a sermon that you've heard, but they'll always say this statement, they'll say something like this, have, just have faith in God everything is going to be okay well let me say something to you about that that comes off a little thin for me Um, and, and when I'm in crisis it actually comes off a little insensitive to me because that's really where we all just kind of default to when we don't know what to say You know, when we don't know what to say, when we don't know how to help someone through a crisis, we just throw it on God and we go, have faith in God. It's going to be okay. And then we walk away as if nothing happened. Amen. But the one that is struggling goes, I just want to slap you because of course I'm going to have faith in God. And of course everything's going to be okay. But right now my teeth are being pulled out of my head. That's what this feels like. And, you know, quite honestly, what does that mean? I'm going to get a little vulnerable with you, okay? When, when somebody walks up and says, have faith in God, I, I, I want to ask, what does that mean? Yeah. So the other day, it was, it was Monday last week, so a week from tomorrow, it'll be one week since, since the Lord did this. I was in my quiet time, my prayer time. And I always go into the prayer room. I get down here early in the morning. I go into the prayer room. I spend time with God and get alone. I read his word and I talk to him and do all the different things that people do in their quiet time. And I build my relationship with him. And I was doing what I normally do. And, and <clears throat> I was going through the list of things that, you know, we need to deal with and the pressure and the stress and on and on and on. And I didn't have what I would say would be a remarkable moment. It was a normal moment. It was like, hey, you know what, God's here, the Bible's good, you know, all of those things. Right. And you go walk away from that and I go do my stuff, but later on in the day, or I should say later on in the morning, all of a sudden things really begin to pile up on me. You know, all the stuff, you know, just stuff. I could go through the boring list, but it's pointless because everybody's got a list of stuff. But it would begin to pile up on me and I was, I was leaving the office and I was driving down the road and I'd get all the way to about four or five cars from the intersection, the stoplight there at Stockton Hill Road in Andy Devine, right there in front of big O tires. And I'm sitting there and now by, the, by this point I am so frustrated, bordering on the, the, the edge of anger. And I'm praying and I finally just said, okay, okay, have faith in God. I get it. I get it, God. I get it. I have faith. What? And I said to him, what does that mean? I, I, I said, you know, there's such a disconnect for me, God. I, I don't know what that means. I'm struggling and I can't, I can't get my head around this. Have faith in God? Great. What does that mean? What do I do? Well, by the time I, the light turned green and I got to 66 Auto, so that's just on the other side of the intersection, God begins to download and he begins to speak very clearly. And by the time I got to the other side of the cemetery, which you know is probably about a quarter, maybe a third of a mile, this sermon was born and birthed. And it was in me. And I was amazed. I was I was just taken aback by it because it was so simple. It wasn't like it was this deep, dark, secret revelation that no one had ever heard before. But it was something that God began to show me. And I and I hesitate. I'll I'll say this. God began to show me a plan. And the reason why I hesitate to even use that word is because I hesitate to reduce faith down Uh, to a formula, because I don't believe faith is a formula. Okay, I don't believe that at all. But I do believe faith is a dynamic. And what I understand about things that are dynamic is that oftentimes there is process involved, and there are things that you can do that will help the dynamic along. And this is what God began to speak to me, because see, when you walk up, to somebody, or you say to yourself, in the midst of crisis, have faith in God, that's gotta translate into something. See, listen, here's the thought that God gave me. Revelation that does not translate into application is irrelevant. Amen. Yeah. 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 Information without wisdom doesn't do us any good. Okay, and you say, well, what do you mean by that? See, we all understand information, don't we? We understand that. We understand having information. But wisdom really is the application of information. It's, it's knowing how, where, when, and what, and why, and all the different things of how to take that information and make it effective in our lives. So how do we make this thing called faith Effective in our life. We've we've got to possess some wisdom. We've got to have some application. Can you say amen? amen? The Bible is clear. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So faith is something that is very important to the Christian life. It is very important not only in our relationship between us and God, but it's important in the walking out of our Christianity. Because the Christian walk is a faith. Walk, can you say amen? amen? And so as I'm praying this through, that was my struggle. That's that's what I'm contending with the Lord. With is like, okay, I get it. We need to have faith. I get that. But what what do I demonstrate God to you? What how, what do I say? Well, I, I, it, it's it seems like it's not enough to say I have faith. It seems empty, doesn't it? It's like okay, I have faith, but. But that's got to be translated into something. That, that's got to affect me somehow. That, that's got to move me. Can you say amen to that? Yeah. Yeah. Now, once again, I, I, I don't want to be perceived as, as that I'm creating some sort of, you know, step one, step two, step three, do this formula and everything will be okay. The reality is each one of these things that God downloaded into my heart really is a facet, if you will, of this wonderful jewel called faith okay faith by its very essence requires our participation yes okay faith is an action isn't it faith is not just merely belief belief is important we should believe but belief is not enough come on now you say what do you mean pastor belief is not enough See, and I've told this story a thousand times if I've told it once, if you are dying of thirst, You've been out in the desert for weeks on end, you've had very little to drink. You finally come into civilization, you're near death because you're dehydrated so severely. But somebody comes across your path and they have c- a clear crystal water. It's cold, it's refreshing, and it's there for you in a glass, provided to you right in front of you. You could talk all day how much you believe that water will keep you from dying, but until you partake of it, until you take it in, and Apply it, you will die in your belief. Yes, that's right. Belief is not enough. We've got to act on our belief. That's why God says faith is so important, because faith is the vehicle by which we act out or live out our belief. Okay, so as I'm going through this place in my life, struggling and dealing with this, I'm in the truck, and this is oftentimes a very good place for God to speak to me, and he does. And the first thing he says to me, so I'm going to give this to you, how he gave it to me. So this is, if there is an order to it, it's God's, not mine. Okay, so you go, I don't like the order, talk to him. So what God says, the fir- so the very first word God says is he says, declare, declare, because my question was, how do I do this? What do I do? He says, declare, speak over it declare over it. There is such power in declaring. And as I was thinking about this and as I am going through this in my mind, the very first um, um, verse that came up in my mind, the the scripture was out of Zechariah. Put it on the screen right there. Zechariah. Look at it. Go ahead and put it on the screen right there. Here it is. This is Zechariah chapter (laughs) 4, verses 6 and 7. It says, So he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace unto it. Now here is a, this is a, this is a great scripture. And the reason this is great is because if you know anything about the story, you'll know that Zerubbabel was the man that was tasked with rebuilding the temple. The children of Israel had gotten themselves in trouble, Babylonians had come in, they had taken them captive, they destroyed the temple, Zerubbabel comes back and he is tasked with building the temple to restore it. But there was resistance. There were people that didn't want it back. There was those that wanted to resist him and there was stuff going on and it, and and it began to hinder him and it put him in crisis. And God shows up and gives the prophet a word and the prophet speaks over Zerubbabel and he says, "Listen, Zerubbabel, well, it's not going to be by might, nor is it going to be po- by power. It's not going to be by your better idea or your arm, your strength. It's not going to be human endeavor that that gets this done, but it's going to be by my spirit. And then God says, the Lord of hosts says, he begins, God begins to show us exactly how to accomplish that. How do we get out of ourselves and into the spirit? And he says, who are you? O great mountain. He speaks to it. Who are you? You will become a plane. And Zerubbabel is going to finish this project by crying grace, grace unto it. This is powerful because it speaks to the declaration of a child of God. It speaks to our ability to change what hinders us. Jesus picks up this same thought in Mark chapter 11 verse 23. He says, for assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, yeah. "Be removed and cast into the sea," and does not doubt in his heart but believes that those things that he says shall come to pass, he will have whatever he says. Yeah. How many understand that a mountain? We're look, look. Let's let's not be so so superficial that we go, "Oh, the wallopies, I can move them." That's not what God's talking about. He's talking about something that is hindering you, that has become larger than life, something. That 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 stands in your way, that is an, uh, is a, uh, it seems impossible. It seems like I can't get through it. And so God says, you need to stare right into the face of it and you need to speak to it and you need to say, get out of my way. That's what you do. That's what faith does. Faith goes, wait a second. You cannot stop a child of God. He has given me the tools. He's given me weapons. And he says, I want you to use them. He's given me that ability. He's given me his name. He's given me his word. He's given me his blood. He's given me his promises. Amen. Amen. He's given me his spirit. Yep. And he says, now what I want you to do is I want you to go be the child I've made you to be. That's right. Go speak to the mountain. Amen. So speak to the mountain of that issue of health in your life. Speak to the mountain called your checkbook. Speak to the mountain of your children that are going wayward. Speak to the mountain of your husband or your wife that's not being what you need them to be. Speak to the mountain of your boss that is going sideways or your job that seems to dominate your time. Speak to the mountain. Are you hearing me? Now, now to bring this a little clearer into focus, in Romans chapter 4, verse 17, Paul is expressing this idea about faith in context of who Abraham was. And the Bible says, this this is a conversation, this is something that God is saying now. And he says, as it is written, now God says, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him who he believed, God who gives life to the dead, God who gives life to the dead. I'm going to say it again so you understand who's talking here. God who gives life to the dead calls those things which do not exist as though they did. What is he doing? He's speaking. Why is this song so powerful that we sung just moments ago? Because it is a declaration. It is a cry of battle. We have the victory. Breakthrough is here. Now. We declare it. You say, well, well, I I don't have evidence to that. Yes, you do. God is the evidence. He trumps all of it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This idea of declaration is so caught up into our daily lives that it is literally part of our salvation. Listen to what I'm saying. Romans chapter 10, verses 9. Verse 9, it says, if you confess... With your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God is raised from the dead, you will be saved. Amen. Yeah. Confession and belief, hand in hand, yes. bring salvation. What, yeah. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Yes. There's a confession. If, notice the word if. So, well, what is that saying? It means if you have to make a decision, you've got to decide to confess. Yeah. Right. If you confess, yeah. right. if you declare, that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Are you hearing with me? This is powerful. Declaration, he says. Then he goes on. Now remember, this is happening between 66 Auto and the cemetery. This is a really fast download. For those of you that may be in Michigan that are in my family, you don't know where that's at, but it's only about a four-minute drive. It's about a third of a mile. Four minutes because Kingman traffic. Oh, yeah, right. Oh, boy. Then he says, I want you to offer the sacrifice of Thanksgiving. See, Thanksgiving, listen to me, Thanksgiving is an act of faith. The world has the idea that Thanksgiving comes as a result of something. That thanksgiving should follow. And there's nothing wrong with that, but that, my friends, is superficial. Thanksgiving is much more than that. Thanksgiving is much more powerful than that. Thanksgiving is often, in the kingdom of God, what precedes something. In the book of Jonah, how many remember Jonah? Jonah chapter two, it's an interesting story. There's only about, I think it's only like four or five chapters, I think four chapters, but read it because it's the unfinished book. But anyway, go ahead and read it. It's a great story. So in chapter one, we know that Jonah's running for his life. He doesn't want to do what God wants to do. He ends up on a boat going south. The boat encounters a storm. Finally, he gets thrown overboard because they all figure out that he's the problem. They throw him overboard and God prepares a fish. We don't know what kind of fish it is, but it was big enough to eat him in one bite without chewing, thank God. Because that would have been a harder, harder deal. God could have done it, but he'd have been a little chewed up. Anyway, God prepares a fish, swallows him. So Jonah's now in the belly of the fish. And that's a bad place. I'm, I'm not, I've not been to too many bad places, but I can tell you that is a bad place. All kinds of things happening there. And so Jonah in chapter 2 begins to pray. He begins to repent. He begins to call out to God and he remembers and he looks back and he says, I've blown it. I've done all these things, all this stuff. And he's calling out to God for forgiveness. And then Jonah says something remarkable in verse 9. He says, but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And then in verse 10, Jonah is spit up on the beach. So Jonah thanks God for his deliverance before he was ever delivered. You say, well, what's happening? Jonah is exercising faith. See, it's kind of crazy to thank someone for something that you don't believe is coming through. But when you are convinced, and that's, faith is a, a type of confidence. When you are convinced that this one you believe is coming through, Amen. then you thank him. Amen. It's done. As far as I'm concerned, it's done. Well, I don't see nothing. I know it's done. They say, well, does that really hold water? Let me show you something. Jesus, standing at the face of the tomb of Lazarus, he's dead four days. The Bible says he stinks. He's standing there. And if you go back and you read the uh, the encounter, Jesus has wept. His friend, his, his partner, this, this man that made an impact in Jesus' life has died. This is touching his humanity. There's all kinds of things that are going on here. And Jesus stands in front of the tomb and he says this, Father, thank you that you've heard my prayer. Yeah. Yeah. He hadn't prayed yet. Yeah. <laughs> Father, thank you that you've heard my prayer. And then he says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus raises from the dead. It was a sacrifice to offer thanksgiving. Wow. Then Jesus at another time is about ready to feed 5,000 people. Actually, it's 5,000 men, women, and children. And so there's probably closer to 15,000 people. And they have a few fish and a few bread, a few loaves of bread. It would barely, scarcely, probably not feed this room in its natural. But Jesus says, That is no problem for me. And he says, Father, Thank you. He, he lifts it to heaven and he says, Father, thank you. And he blesses it. Amen. And there is an increase. There's a multiplication. Amen. You know, you say, well, what, 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 what's happening there? Just think about it. Let's take that into 2019. Over and over again, I hear people, they come to me and they say something like this. I'm on a fixed income. First of all, let me ask you, who isn't on a fixed right. income? You know, and I don't mean to squabble over semantics, but even guys like Bill Gates, it's fixed. It's just fixed at a higher level than everyone else. But somewhere along the line, what we're saying is, I am limited. This is all I have. I have a limitation. Jesus had a limitation. He was limited by a few loaves of bread and a few fish. That was all that was physically possible. But Jesus understood in faith, nothing is limited. I do not live on a fixed income. You say, why is that? Because even though the salary that I get is stable and fixed, the salary that I get is not my source. Jesus is my source and he is unlimited. And so therefore, I can thank him for my present need to be met. And that takes the cap off the limitation because now it's not about me and I don't care how God does it I don't care if God causes a bakery truck to crash in front of me and now we got enough bread to feed everybody or if he decides to to multiply the bread we got that is his business my business is to thank him are you hearing what I'm saying then he tells me then God says you need to make a decision And you need to get determined. See, one of the things I think that happens in our faith when we're struggling is we get really wishy-washy. We start doing things like this. If it's God's will. I'm going to say something very controversial to you. I said it in the 830 service, so I'll say it to you. If you don't know God's will on something, then don't pray. The reason I say that is because without knowing, without the knowledge of God's will, you will never pray according to his will. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, it says we have this confidence that he hears us if we pray according to his will. And if he hears us, then he answers us. We have that confidence. But if we don't know God's will, it's like, well, God, if it's your will... No, no, we need to enter into prayer going, God, this is your will. I'm, a pray- I'm <laughs> praying according to your will. We need to make a decision. We, we need to lock it down in scripture. That, see, I believe today, and look at, there's a lot of, see, the whole issue of healing. There's a lot of people that don't get healed, and I don't know why. It's a mystery, and that's okay with me. That doesn't mean Jesus is not the healer. Right. Are you hearing me? See, he is the healer. At the end of the day, it is done. His will is to heal my body. Yes. It's, my, it's his will that, will that I thank him for it. Amen. Are you hearing me? Amen. And so I'm going to stand in that. Now, every other question I don't understand. It's a mystery, and I'm okay with that. I trust him. And so I know it's his will. I know it's his will to provide. I know it's his will to be with me. I know it's his will to give me hope. I know it's his will to deliver. I know it's his will to make me righteous. I know it's his will to move in my life and to be my shepherd. Why? Because his name declares it so. It's his will. Therefore, I can be resolute in my decision and I can be determined to see his will done in my life. Are you hearing me? Is it God's will to provide? Yeah. Yeah. My, God, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Amen. End of conversation, his will. Amen. By his stripes, I am healed. Amen. 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 The chastisement of my peace was upon him. Yep. Yep. Are you hearing me? Yeah. So it's, it's solid and I need to become resolute decided and determined in matthew chapter 9 verses 20 and 21 the woman who had the issue of blood it says that she had an issue or she had a flow of blood for 12 years and she came behind him and touched the hem of his garment now listen for she said to herself if only i may touch his garment i shall be made whole what's happening here obviously this woman has had some information about jesus She recognized something about this man that was different. She knew that he was a healer. She knew, quite honestly, that he was the Messiah. And I could go into all of the dynamics of why she would know that, and that'll be for another sermon, but know this. She knew. So she said, if I touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. She was determined. She decided. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Then he says to me, which is very similar to the make a decision. He says, hold your ground. Think about this for a moment. He says, hold your ground. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 13 through 16, it says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Having done all to stand... Stand, therefore, having gird your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the prepos- preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. He's saying, hold your ground. Yeah. Yeah. Once you've made that decision and once you've become determined, there is going to be a fight. Mark it, write it in your notes. Faith is a Fight. There will be a fight, but the good news is, he outfitted you to win that fight. He gave you everything you need to win the battle. The only thing he needs is for you to hold your ground. Hold your ground. Don't be moved. Don't be moved. Take the sword of the Spirit, the shield of faith, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation. Your feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel and do battle. Hold your ground. You ain't getting my bean field this time. You ain't having it. You ain't taking it out. I'm holding my ground. And there's something about that. When somebody holds their ground, God, He slaps Gabriel on the back and goes, Man, we got to move for them. Look at that. Look at my son. Look at my daughter. I love that. Make it happen. And it gets done. Hold your ground. And then he says to me, you need to wait on the Lord. Now, this is where the sermon for me starts taking a little bit of a nosedive. I don't like waiting. I hate. No, no, let let me just make it very clear. I detest waiting. I hate it. One time Kathy had a doctor's appointment down in Bullhead. Her, her doctor was down there. And so she says, I got to go to the doctor. I got to be there at 10 o'clock. That's the time of my appointment. And I thought, well, hey, I'll go with you. Because, you know, when you get done with the appointment, we'll go over to the river, have some lunch and have a nice day and, you know, whatever. Yeah. And I'm thinking in my mind, you know, she so will get there at 10 o'clock. She'll get in, get checked in. Yeah, you know, right. she'll see the doctor and maybe by 1030, maybe quarter 11 if they're a little bit busy. We're out of there. We're out there cruising. We're good. We're solid. Uh Well, when one one o'clock roll around, and she is still in the waiting room, she ain't even gone to the other little waiting room. She's in the big waiting room. She's right there. I'm in the I'm in the uh, uh, truck, pounding my head on the steering wheel. I call her up on the phone, and I says, Has anybody even moved? Is there anything happening? She says, no. I says, I can't take it. She goes, John. I said, I can't take it. I'm done. She goes, what are you going to do? Are you going to leave me? And I said, heck no, I ain't leaving you. (laughs) I said, I'm coming in. I'm going to talk to somebody. So I did. I walked in and (laughs) right on the little window. Hey, I need a nurse. I need a receptionist. I I don't care. I'll take the janitor. I need to talk to a human being. I said, hey. 10 o'clock appointment, it's one o'clock. Right. I said, you know, I'm not sure how you do scheduling. She said, well, we're a little backed up. I said, a little backed up? I haven't seen anybody come in or leave. I'm thinking you're just, are they going in another door? <laughs> right. I'm upset. Well, yeah. I don't like it. I don't wanna wait. Don't get me in line at DMV, I don't like that either. I think oh it's God. amazing, government. You have to get in line to get a number so you can get in line. Yeah, yeah. What in the world? What are we doing? Wait, wait. And then God says, Hey, John. Wait. I want to get angry, upset. But there's something about wait, see, here's the here's the difference between the world's waiting. The world's waiting is just torment. This is just straight up torment. God's form of waiting is actually rest. Wow. You didn't catch that, did you? Did that, that hit the wall and came back to me, didn't it God's form of waiting is actually rest. He says this in Hebrews chapter six, verse 11 and 12, he says, And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. you got to love that. Don't you love those words? We desire that every one of you show the same diligence. That's that determination, right? To the full assurance. That's I'm assured God's going to pull it off. Of hope unto the end. That you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Now, you know what? Patience has gotten a really bad rap over the years. Don't pray for patience, bro. Don't do it. You'll just go through tribulation if you pray for patience. You know, and so all these well-meaning Christians aren't praying for patience, but they're the most impatient people on the planet. Maybe we ought to pray for patience. The reason that it's so tormenting is because we don't understand what he's saying. See, this word patience is its talking about a joyful, endurance of expectation I'll say it again joyful endurance of expectation it's the picture of a child that has just been told tomorrow we're going to Disneyland and now they can't sleep in anticipation they have to wait we gotta wait 12 hours to get through the night so we can get in the car and go but they're so excited. All they can talk about is what they're going to do at Disneyland. They are so joyful. They're enduring. Yes, there is an endurance, but there's a joy and there is an anticipation. There is an expectation through faith and joyful endurance with expectation. We inherit the promise. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36, he says, patient endurance is what you need now so you will continue to do God's will then you will receive all that he had promised listen part of the reason for this joyful endurance of expectation is because this helps to reorient us to his will listen your problem in God's hands is nothing god look at i don't care what problem you have this is not to minimize the severity of your problem but I don't care how severe or how minor it is, God can go, and it's done. In fact, the time it took for me to snap my fingers is infinitely longer than it takes God to solve your problem. Okay, so your problem is not God's problem. What God's problem is, is will you be in line with his will? Because that requires you making a decision. And sometimes what that process of joyful endurance in expectation is doing is bringing us to a place where we're aligned with him are you hearing that so that we're aligned with him so that we continue to do God's will then you will receive and inherit the promises the sixth thing he told me to do was to feed your faith See, I, th- this is what's shocking today in m- much of Christianity. It is, a sh- it is shocking at the levels at which Christians are spiritually and biblically Ill- illiterate. Right. On, Christians just don't know the Bible. And the, and the truth is, the simple truth of it is, is because they just never break it out and read it and spend time in it. Yeah. They just don't. We, we get sidetracked so easily. And we just get to a place where we're not hearing it. You know, he says to feed your faith. The only thing that's really going to nourish your faith is the word of God. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Imagine if you just went without food for a long time. I remember years ago, this is probably 20 years now, or longer ago, I went on a fast, a long fast, a 21-day fast. 21 days, just water. And I don't recommend it. Um, if you do do something like that, make sure that you have the mind of God in it. I don't recommend it because it is a little bit dangerous. And and really, if you're, if you're doing it just to do something like that, oftentimes, it just ends up being a hungry and not a fast. He said, what do you mean by that? Well, I found that after about five days, my mind was no longer focused on God. It was focused on not eating. Right. And so for five, at day five to about day 18, I just I had to summon all my will just not to eat. And so it, did, it really didn't wasn't very productive. But I remember at day 18 that I was having a hard time connecting anymore. I didn't know. I, you know, I was very, uh, you know, I was kind of wobbly and I couldn't think very well. And I I couldn't stay engaged. I, you know, I just, you know, things would overwhelm me when something would happen. You know, like at the time, the boys were real little and and they would do something. There would be a loud noise. And I was no longer I just I couldn't I couldn't handle it. I was overwhelmed easily. Why? Because I wasn't nourished. I was not nourished. And most people today, their faith comes into crisis because simply they're just not nourished. They're just simply not nourished. Somewhere along the line, what we've got to do is feed ourselves. We need the word of God, church. We need to eat it as our necessary food. We eat the word. So you know what I've been doing as of late? This has revolutionized things for me. I'm telling you, this has revolutionized. I, when I go into my, my quiet time, when I, every morning when I go into my private time and quiet and be alone with God, I always read some portion of scripture somewhere in, in the form of meditation. But what, what I do is, is I, I read it out loud. I, I get Why? Because there's something about the spoken word. That, that, that book, that ink and paper that you possess in your hand, there's nothing magical about the book. But the message... The word of God, spoken from the heart of a child of God, has infinite power. And when you speak it, it will not only practically keep your attention span longer, you begin to hear, and it feeds faith. All of a sudden, see, I have a hard time. My attention span is getting, the older I get, it seems to be getting less and less. Me and Oliver are about on the same page now. It's hard to keep me in in tune. But when I read the word, when I speak the word out loud, I'm grabbing it. It's it's alive. It's there. It's feeding me. I feel its nourishment. We have to do that, church. We cannot eliminate the word from our lives. We cannot. Look at what we're doing today is not enough. Imagine I—I'll I, I'll give you a challenge. Eat one meal a day every Sunday, and that's it. <laughs> Not on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Sunday afternoon, you eat. Eat whatever you want, as much as you want. But that's it for the rest of the week. You ain't gonna like it. I feed this body. I know when you look at me, you go, "Not really." I do. I feed it three times a day at least. There you go. And you know what? One of the things too is is we get confused about what's healthy food. See, oftentimes I eat based on my mood, not my need. Right. Oh wow. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. so a lot of times we approach scripture that way. Yeah. We eat based on our mood, how we feel. And not what we need. We need a full diet of the full gospel. Can you say amen? Finally, as I close, and I'm going to ask Jason to come, the last thing he told me is, draw close to him in worship. There's no doubt in my mind that it's through the act of worship that we enter into the presence of God. The Bible says this in Psalms 100, verse 4. It says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. It's with worship that we enter into this intimate place, this place of his presence, the holy of holies. See, thanksgiving is a celebration, isn't it? That's how we come into the gates. We, we come in with celebration. Then we move into a battle cry, which is called praise. It's like a battle cry where we're, we're excited but then we come into this intimate place. This place that we come in and we're alone with him. Just his presence in you. Just his wonderful glory surrounding our lives. Those of you that are worshipers, you know what I'm talking about. You can be, I, I, I don't mean to embarrass her, but I, I know her well enough that I can do this. I think of Brandy. I even saw it today, she was in that song, there was a moment, you can always tell because she'll have her head down, her arms, it's almost like she's flying. And probably to a certain degree, she is. Because she's alone at that moment, even though there's you know, 250, 300 people in this room, she's alone, she's, she's in the presence of God. She, you think she's leading you in worship, no, she's talking to Jesus. She's, she's alone, she's in his presence. And let me tell you something in the presence of the Lord there's healing. In the presence of the Lord there is liberty. There's freedom. And it's in that presence where faith really begins to take on its essence. It births all kinds of things in us and through us. And so as I was driving down the road like I said the other day, I'm having this moment where I'm I'm in crisis. I'm I'm struggling in my faith and and I'm, 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 I'm really pretty much at the end of my rope. I'm hanging onto the knot that's down there. And I'm, I'm just saying, God, I just, I just am exhausted. Just don't, I can't do this anymore, God. I just, when I say I can't do it, it doesn't mean I'm not gonna do it. I am gonna do it. I'm just tired. I need something more than just a, a simple word, you know, like have, you know, just have faith in God. Okay, I, yes, I want that, but what does that mean? And God, I don't want what it means from somebody else. I want what it means from you. Yeah. Yeah. And he did, man. He began to speak to me. He downloaded in me. He, he, and, and I know Kathy's, thank God. She's been praying and fasting for a while. Her prayer has been heard. And he downloaded into me. In just a little bit of time. What's taken me 45 minutes to communicate to you? came in four minutes and I just want to encourage you so what I've done just before we we pray here what I've done is I took the I don't really have any notes I just I have the, the number one two three four five six seven what it is and then I have the scriptures there's no notes to this but I have printed these and they're on the information center for you to go back, and I, I would, what I would like to see you do is take these and spend time meditating on these verses, going through this, and 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 when you're in struggle, because we will face. Jesus said, in this world we will have tribulation, but He has given us the tools to, and and He's given Him Himself that we can overcome. Yeah. We have victory, but we got to walk in it and and so he give he gave me this he you know all of these it's not a formula it's not like do step one step two step three it's it's a reminder of what we already know it's a reminder that we can engage and so you can pick up one of these and i i encourage you to meditate on it spend time and when you're in crisis take it out and go okay what i gotta do have the discipline that you recognize the crisis and go now I'm going to do something, and I believe you will be amazed at the change. You'll be amazed at what God will do. Can you say amen to that? Why don't you bow your heads with me for a moment, Father? We thank you so much. We thank you, God, for all that you've done. We thank you for this revelation, and Father, we thank you for the instruction of of the application of the revelation. And we ask, Lord, that you help us. Father, that as we go from this place, God, and from time to time when we do enter into those crisis moments, God, that we would be assured that it's not over, it's not done, but that we can enter into victory. And we can enter in by our faith. And Lord, we can take these, these principles, these facets of faith, and we can apply them to our life. And father i'm careful to give you the glory for it and the honor i wonder as every head is bowed and every eye is closed if you're here today and you don't know jesus as your savior but you would like to if that's you would you lift your hand would you lift it up in this place amen hallelujah thank you jesus thank you jesus hallelujah all of you can look up at me this morning you know i i pray i preach this this morning but not i i'm i i pray that you have not received this as 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 a rebuke but that you've received this as a challenge because I didn't didn't feel God I didn't feel my father in heaven was rebuking me my father was gently taking me on a journey and saying okay you have a legitimate question and I'm going to show you I'm going to show you what faith looks like I'm going to show you what faith looks like every day in daily living And this is what it looks like. So you can pick up those papers as you go. Our prayer team is coming. Let's stand to our feet all across this place. We're going to release you today. We love you. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Have a great weekend. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.